Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you guys as always. And today we continue the quarantine interview series as we welcome in former Tar Heel wide receiver Corey Bailey to the podcast. And first of all, Corey, uh, we've still been going through all of the COVID-19 stuff. So how's your family handling all this? And is everybody uh, staying healthy during this time? Hey, Anthony, thanks for asking. Yeah, everybody's good. Um, We're up here in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, The kids are trying to make the adjustment to virtual school. Um, So we're hanging in there. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, You know, this is definitely one of those uh, scary times, but uh, we've been listening to everything that they've been telling us, and uh, the good news is is that it seems like uh, through doing that, we are helping to flatten the curve. But uh, we're here to talk to you tonight a little bit about your career at Carolina. We'll talk to you a little bit as well about your professional career and what you're doing now. But let's start with that first thing. And and, and really, you know, you grew up in the Durham area, and you talked about it um, on your website. You said that you kind of grew up in, in the Tobacco Road area uh, of, of Durham. So, I mean, for you, what attracted you to Carolina more than to that other school that's seven miles away from us that we don't like so much? <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah, uh, uh, a Durhamite, Bull City kid, uh, born and raised, um, Northern High School. I had the opportunity to uh, visit a lot of schools, especially the ones there locally, NC State, Duke, UNC, but um, as you know, Chapel Hill is a magical place. Anytime you step on campus, there's just something that draws you to it. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a former coach in Ken Browning uh, and some former teammates, guys like John Sergal, Jason Peace, um, David Bomar, and his brother after that, JP, all, all joined me there at Carolina. So mm-hmm. it was good to have some familiar faces there, and Chapel Hill is just a wonderful place to, to get sucked into. 
Yeah, could not agree with you more. Every time I go to Chapel Hill, I wish that I could just find a place to live there and stay up there. I think that's how we all kind of feel. But um, look, I mean, you got there and you wasted no time making a huge impact in your Tar Heel career, setting freshman records in 1998 for most receptions and receiving touchdowns by a freshman. What do you think was the, the thing that allowed you to be most successful in your first year on campus? Yeah, I think it was just the... Uh being able to raise my level to the to the the standard that the guys that were there i was going against dre Bly, robert williams uh some some of the best defensive players uh, that carolina's ever seen every day in practice so when i had the opportunity to step on the field against some uh, opponent talent uh, it felt like you know easy pickings compared to what i was going to going through every day in practice Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I know how competitive Dre is, so I'm assuming that every day at practice was uh, pretty much like a game for him. I'm assuming that also definitely a very good motivator because he's still one of those guys that to this day um, I think probably talks a little bit of trash to his children even when he's out on the field. Um, you know, a great guy, but, uh, I mean, that's that's awesome that you brought that up. It also helped that you just you played with so many great guys in the wide receiving core as well. I mean, you talked about the talent in the secondary, but the wide receiving cores were loaded. Guys like Nah Brown, Sam Aiken, and even Bosley Allen, a guy that I just don't think gets as much respect, um, you and him both, as the other two do. But, you know, what was it like being a part of a group that was just so talented where opponents couldn't really focus in on one guy and try to take them away because somebody else could hurt them? Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, my, my redshirt year, Octavius Octavius Barnes also being able to look up to him, uh, but being able to step on the field with Nay and Elsie Stevens and Boz, uh, people couldn't focus on one guy. I mean, we had a, a wealth of talent at that position. So um, Oscar Davenport, Ronald Curry, they were able to spread the ball around and count on a lot of guys to make plays for them. Well, how about that? those quarterbacks that you had? I mean, you talked about Oscar Davenport, Ronald Curry, and then, of course, even Darian Durant. How, how big is that for you as a wide receiver to have those types of decorated quarterbacks there that can help you uh, along the way? And, and, I mean, especially a guy like Darian Durant who went on to become, uh, in some people's minds, arguably the best quarterback in program history. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fantastic to have guys of that wealth and talent um, sort of bookend and then throughout my career there were some some lean years there in the middle where Ronald got hurt and uh, we had to figure out what to do at the quarterback position but when he was healthy when Daring was there when OD was there and healthy um, you couldn't have asked for better guys to catch balls from so then you go on and you get the chance to play with the New York Jets um, and then uh, of course after that you move on to play in Edmonton in the CFL with the Edmonton Eskimos where you did win a Grey Cup in your one season there. What was that experience like for you to be able to go up to Edmonton, contribute like you did and win a, a championship, something that up there is, is kind of valued as much as a Super Bowl is here? Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, not knowing anything about the Canadian Football League, anything about Edmonton, um, and honestly, that being my first chance to have an experience living and, and experience in another country um, was just fantastic. The brand of football up there is fast and fun. Um, the guys that I met there were way more talented than I expected, and there was some real competitive football up there. Uh, actually caught my first touchdown against Steve Fisher, another UNC guy, so some great memories from that year as well. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. And then, of course, I know uh, since you've moved on, you've really been doing a lot of nonprofit work, including one that really stuck out to me, which was helping to raise money uh, at the time for Tar Heel linebacker Quincy Monk, who uh, was battling cancer. Uh, of course, he did pass away a few months after finding out that he did have cancer. But for you, why was that such an important thing to try to help start up and contribute? Um, I, I know that they always talk about it being a Tar Heel family, but I think that's one of the ones right there. And example that shows that it's more than just on the field it's it's throughout the rest of your life yeah and and, and that's exactly what i was going to say it was important because quincy's family uh and lisa and, and aiden and um you know the monk family they're just family to us and we continue to um embrace them we continue to support his legacy as someone uh who played the game the right way who lived his life the right way um so we'll always do what we can to um you know, keep his memory alive and make sure that, that we support him, him and his family. Well, I know that you work with some other nonprofits uh, as well. What are some of those other ones that you're working with now, and is there anything else that you're doing on the side now that your football career is over? Yeah, there's there's an organization here in Baltimore called Thread. Uh, just become a volunteer with them, and, and their whole goal is to really help create um, communities of people that can that can help support young people here in the area. Uh, so I'm really excited about being involved with them. I did get an opportunity to work um, with Blackboard, which is a technology company that supports nonprofits. Um, so all across the country, I was helping you know them with their fundraising goals and outreach efforts. Um, so that's something that's always been a passion of mine, even from a younger age, um, and especially sort of post 9/11 and the opportunity that I had to spend that summer with the Jets in New York really got my juices going for helping the nonprofit community. Yeah, hey, that's awesome, man. Hey, thanks for stopping by with us tonight. I know uh, we're starting to get back to a little bit of normalcy, but uh, thanks for carving out some time with us and, and sitting down to talk about your career and everything else you got going on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. All right, man. Hey, you guys stay safe, and we'll talk to you down the line, okay? Sounds good. All right. So that's former Toriel wide receiver Corey Bailey stopping by with us, a guy that was, uh, as you heard, recruited to campus under Mac Brown, played under Carl Torbush, and then finished up his career under John Bunning. Uh, had a very successful career, almost 2,000 yards receiving, um, and a guy that I think just a lot of people, when you look at those wide receiving cores in the late 90s, early 2000s, you really hear about some of those guys like he brought up, Octavius Barnes, Na Brown, Sam Aiken, but you just don't really hear a whole lot about him. But a very decorated wide receiver, a guy that had a very successful career in Carolina, and of course, as we told you, went on to win a Grey Cup uh, up in the CFL with the Edmonton Eskimos. So we want to stop him, or, or thank him for stopping by with us, um, and of course, we want to uh, encourage you guys to make sure that you don't miss any of the other great quarantine interviews that we've had so far. We've had so many great ones. You can go back and listen to all of them. Uh, all of those episodes are available on the Heel Tough Blog podcast stream, and of course, you guys can check that out um, by going to wherever you listen to your podcast, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you could. Uh, and again, we ask you to do that because the rating and reviewing, that will help us to move up some of the rankings so that other Toriel fans that haven't found the podcast yet can find the podcast, listen to all this great stuff that we have, all these great interviews, all these great uh, recruiting podcasts that we do, as well as once we get towards the season, we'll start uh, getting some more 
um, and, and information on on what is going to happen with the 2020 season and when they're going to play it, if they're going to play it in the fall, if they're going to play it in the spring. Of course, we'll have you covered uh, with all of that. Make sure that you head to the Heel Tough blog website as well. Uh, we encourage you to do that because we've got some great articles that are up there. Uh, of course, uh, right now, uh, we're recording this ahead of time, so we're not going to officially uh, have... Uh, any articles. We're not going to read out any articles that we have up on the website, but there's plenty of stuff that we've been covering for you uh, so far this offseason. Of course, had you covered with what is a phenomenal recruiting class for the Tar Heels and probably still is at the time of this interview coming out, uh, as well as uh, plenty of other stuff. As we mentioned, very similar to the podcast uh, where we've been covering um, everything that's leading up to the season. Any team news, of course, we covered the NFL draft for you, so you guys can go and check all that stuff out. And, of course, coming up, uh, we have the off-season series that's going on right now. You can check out the best Tar Heel to ever wear each uniform number. That's a really cool thing that we've been doing, kind of breaking down in-depth the uniform numbers and giving you the guy that we thought was the best to put on that uniform. And then, of course, uh, as we get towards the season, we'll go and do uh, one of my other favorite features, actually probably my favorite feature that we do on the site each year, and that's position breakdowns, where we break down each position as in-depth as it gets. We talk about every single player that is on the roster, so keep your eye out for that as we get closer to the season. So... So once again, want to thank Corey Bailey for stopping by. I want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the podcast. Make sure that you're staying safe during this time. And as always, go Tar Heels!